Okay. Uh, welcome to our um, movie podcast. My name is Sterling. My name is David. And we are going to talk about movies and, more importantly, the underlying Christian aspects in movies and some of our favorite movies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the movie we're going to be talking about today is called Prisoners. Um, it came out in 2013, stars Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Terrence Howard. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of the movie? Yeah. And I guess, <clears throat> you know, starting off, I, you know, I, I definitely love, I love movies. Movies is, is something that I, I particularly enjoy. Um, and I just feel like we're, I love movies, but I am, um, and, and I'm Christian, but I don't necessarily love Christian movies. <laughs> you know, you've got yeah. your uh, God's Not Dead type movies, which are, which are great for a certain audience. But for me, I love to go into a movie, feel challenged, mm-hmm. um, also have my faith challenged a little bit to see if I can, you know, think a little bit deeper about, you know, some of the things that these artists, these directors are trying to present in terms of arguments, in terms of, you know, especially this movie and how to deal with grief. Um, and so, yeah, Prisoners is a movie that came out in 2013. And I remember watching it and being and being challenged. It, mm-hmm. It's a very it's challenging very, movie. Yeah. Um, it's very Great. deep. It's very emotional. It's filled with, filled with grief. Basically, um, two families get together on Thanksgiving. And through a series of circumstances, two of their children go missing. Uh, one daughter from each family. And uh, then it is a basically a crime thriller from there. You get the how the families are dealing with it and how the detective is trying to crack the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the father, the main father figure played by Hugh Jackman, the main detective played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And um, this is directed by Denis Villeneuve. And he's done, he's gone on to do other things like uh, Blade Runner 2049. He's done Enemy, um, you know, lots of different types of movies, but I think all of his movies have deep, not just spiritual, but deep personal themes to them. And so that's why I think this is the perfect one to start with. Yeah. And uh, one thing I want to say, actually didn't know he directed um, Enemy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's got the, like, this, this seriousness both of these movies, um, I think, is important because, you know, there's a lot of movies out there that focus on, I don't know, I feel like, in this movie in particular, the, the it starts out, the way it starts out, there's no sound. There's no, like, music or soundtrack or anything like that. Um, and in this movie, and I think in Enemy, I, I, I don't remember, it's just, it's very quiet. Very, most of the movie is just, the voices of the actors and there's not like a, a soundtrack per se i think that really um helps you focus on the emotion and the seriousness of the movie yeah um, um i i appreciate I, I think when when i think about this movie i think about the very strong acting that the, the oh, acting yeah. is just absolutely phenomenal in this movie hugh jackman's bringing it jake gyllenhaal's bringing it viola davis always brings it mm-hmm. um terrence howard is really really good um and um and i and i think even um logan lerman like, 
Jordan Logan Lippin. there. You know, or sorry, not Logan Lippin. <laughs> I always get this get these guys mixed up, but it's Dylan Minnette. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. he he's he's doing pretty good in his limited role. Um, but I think that that's the reason I continue to go back to the movie. Um, one more aspect of this movie that I really enjoy. This movie was cinematographer is Roger Deakin. Okay. And man, this guy is he's in all of my he's in all of, one of all of my favorite types of movies. Um and uh he's he was cinematographer for Shawshank Redemption, hmm. uh cinematographer for Oh Brother Where Art Thou, cinematographer for Fargo, a mm. lot of the Coen Brothers stuff. Um so No Country for Old Men, Skyfall. Um he's just he's a, he's He's in. He has a hand in all of my favorite movies. He's even a visual consultant for How to Train Your Dragon, which for those like, yeah, moving around dragon flying you. sequences, you can see his hand in those types of things. Because when uh, when when Roger Deakins focuses on something, it's always meaningful. And the way he frames things, you just mm-hmm. get that emotion. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get to the scenes in a second, but I just always think of when the when the mom is crying in the bed in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And and you can just see Hugh Jackman, like, hunched over her behind her out of focus, and he's just, like, slowly, like, man, this is tough. And I just, I'm just, it, it's just his, it's just his stuff is always so good that you, you always get a lot out of it. Sicario is another one. That, that is, I, I'm going to take a little uh, sidebar here, but that is my favorite movie of all time. Sicario. Sicario. Oh, wow. And possibly the sequel. I don't know. They're tied for my favorite movie. Oh, wow. You're a um, big... You're a big Dave Salato fan. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely thought uh, the first one was much stronger than the second one. So. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, the sequel, you know, some sequels fall short, you know. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely delivered. Um, it wasn't... I don't I don't know if it was as good, but it had a lot of... A lot to offer. Yeah. You know? Sometimes yeah. sequels... Like, okay, in Madagascar... By the third one, you know, it's like you can tell that the the animation was like they were still in editing mode, you know. Like they sure. were still in that like those beginning stages. Anyway, um, <laughs> Madagascar. <laughs> we go from prisoners to yeah. Madagascar. That's uh, that's, that's uh, pretty good. That's gonna be our um, range for this. And I think series. one one caveat, because you know we are trying to be this uh, podcast that is uh, primarily coming from a Christian mindset, but we also know. That some movies are just not everybody's cup of tea, of course, and yeah. uh, you know this movie deals a lot with grief. It has a lot. Uh, it, it, I mean, it is rated R. It has a lot of serious things, disturbing images. Um, Lots of. Um, I don't. I don't know if I would say scary, but for especially definitely for young children, I would say scary. Tension-filled stuff. Tension, yeah. You know. And um, there's this one scene that Hugh Jackman does that. Um, it would be scary, I feel like, for a little kid. For sure. Yeah. yeah Especially definitely. if it's like a father figure, you know? Yeah. Acting like that. Um, but I think we should just dive right into yeah. it, you know? Because we're talking about the whole the movie, you know, without really, like, talking about it, you know? Yeah, we're going to start going into the plot. We're going to start going into some things that we love about the movie, some pivotal scenes. And I think, you know, if we were to use this film as an example on how to tell a sermon, these are the things that we would... Uh, we would go into so yeah. What's uh, what's what's one of the scenes that you want to highlight? Okay, well, the opening scene of the movie. I feel like we should go in chronological order here. There you go. Um, 
But the opening scene of the movie is Hugh Jackman, who's the main character, and his son. And they're in the woods hunting. And the first shot is a deer. And it pans out from the deer, and it zooms out. Um, and you can hear Hugh Jackman's voice reciting the Lord's Prayer. And he says, he recites it in its entirety, and, um, and then his son shoots the deer. And I think, okay, well, first of all, I think that this is a great start to a not necessarily Christian movie, you know? Like, the first words of the movie are the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And that's how the whole thing starts. So right off the bat, you can tell, you can establish that this is, one, a religious family, um, and also that he's, not only that, but he's teaching his son, like, these Christian values, so it's not, like, something that they kind of do, mm-hmm. you know? It's something that is, like, they're, they're actively encouraging. Um, so, yeah. That, I think that's important. And it, what it kind of reminded me of is um, in the movie Avatar. Yeah, where, James Cameron Avatar. Yeah. Um, where, like, they, they're hunting. They hunt something. And before they actually kill it, they say this, this, this little prayer, and then they mercy kill it. And so that, that kind of, I kind of drew that connection there. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not the same thing, but it's, I, I definitely drew that parallel there. Yeah, there's a spiritual aspect to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they value all life, you know. Um, and I feel yeah, that was a very strong opening to yeah. the movie. Um, what are what are your thoughts? You know, I I like that opening scene, and I even like the car ride afterwards. Yeah, I was gonna um, point that out. You can you can talk. Yeah, about and and I think because it's it's a big I think it's a big theme of the movie at the, especially at the beginning what they're setting up is that this is a father son dynamic. The mm-hmm. father is teaching the son. The father is encouraging the son. The father is teaching the son about life. Um, he's teaching him what his father taught him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is just a great setup because it is, you know, you can tell Dylan Minnette's character is, is um, I think his name is Clay. He, he's looking up to his dad. He is, he is searching for, um, you know, I even read, I even read the script. Um, that they've posted and in the script when Hugh Jackman explains him like you want to know what the what the um, most important thing your grandfather taught me you know in the script it says uh, Clay looks at his dad um, clearly clearly with uh, with admiration and so Mm -hmm. there's a there's a father and son dynamic there that is like I'm teaching you about life learn from me learn from my example be prepared for everything and so I think um, and obviously with the cross dangling down mm-hmm. from the, yeah. there's you a, know, don't put that up. There's a lot of cross imagery in this movie. There's tons of it. I it's, mean, there's, yeah, whether it's, they don't hide necklace, it at all. Yeah. A necklace, the hand tattoo for Jake. Yes. Hall. Yes. Um, you know, there's just, it's just everywhere. And so it's definitely, this is not like we're, we're pointing out, Oh my gosh, this movie is about Christianity. What? Cause this movie is, it wears it on its sleeve, yeah. wears it on its hand, literally. Yeah. Um, and so they are trying to say something about, the answers that like Christianity has towards things like grief and mm-hmm. and our and your daughter being kidnapped and and trusting police 
uh, or detective work. <laughs> it's very much like the law into your own hands. But do, does, does Christianity have those answers for you? And this movie is obviously putting that out there into the world, and so that's why I think it's awesome. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, this opening scene is just really good. Um, I think I think I, I really like that point. It's just they're praying. It's almost like this is a a spiritual practice for them. And so yeah, mm-hmm. I love this scene. Very uh, very powerful. And um, the the one of the next scenes is you see an RV and it belongs to the supposed kidnapper in the movie. Um, and it drives through the neighborhood. And it parks down the street from the main character's house. Mm-hmm. And the first 10 minutes of this movie, I, I, there's, it's just a goldmine of sure. Easter eggs and um, just stuff. Um, but the song that's playing on the radio in the RV, he's driving it. It's called, um, it's called Put Your Hand in the Hand by Ocean. And what this song is about is the narrator is realizing that she's no different than the sinners in the Bible. She's like, uh, she goes on to say that, um, she also, she goes on to reference a lot of passages in the Bible, or like uh, several passages in the Bible, one of which is Matthew 21, verse 12 through 17, um, which is talking about how um, Jesus was upset with the merchants that were selling goods in the temple. You know, it's a place of worship, and they're not respecting it. They're selling their 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 goods and stuff. Um, and Jesus gets upset. Like he flips tables, you know, and he shows emotion. Um, and it's 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 crazy because the when we were first starting this whole thing, I immediately drew the parallel between that scene, like uh, the scene in the movie where he um, he is threatening him with a hammer, like he puts his, the kidnapper's hand on the sink mm-hmm. and he acts like he's gonna smash his, his hand with the hammer and instead um, he destroys the sink with the hammer and he's just like, he's yelling in his face and screaming and he's just like smashing the sink and I drew that parallel between that and the passage in Matthew, mm. um, even before I rewatched the movie. And then in the first ten minutes, that song, that I don't know. It's it's like the directors were, um, they made that parallel too. Like they were trying to put in as many like connections and subliminal messages as possible. And I barely caught that. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like exploding, but having those over-the-top moments of, of this is wrong, this is how life, this mm-hmm. is how it should be. Jesus clearing the temple in that way mm-hmm. is the obvious is is, is one of the one of the most like um, violent, one of the more uh, emotional things we see from Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. um, having a movie about how we emotionally react to wrong, to wrongs, and to you know things to evil. Um, I think that that's clear. We we should draw you know draw those parallels. Um, yeah, and I think that the um, that it, I think it's good that this is the movie that captures that, or it's one of the movies that captures that like raw emotion, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's one that draws that connection to the Bible. Um, and what a great first movie to like to 
to do this on. <laughs> to explain it on, yeah. Because you think about the song, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water, who calmed the sea. Take a look at yourself, and you can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of a man from Galilee. Mm-hmm. I think calming the storm is a big, you know, is a big thing. If you think, you know, this, this, is, this is a reach, because it was probably just raining that day. But once, mm-hmm. when the daughters get kidnapped, it starts to rain. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a big storm. Yeah. Um, and then when, you know, throughout, periodically throughout the movie, there's a storm, you know, at the major turning points of the movie. There's a snowstorm when Dover is going to that liquor store for the first time. There's the rainstorm at the end of the movie when Jake Gyllenhaal's rushing to the hospital. So yeah. there's, this, there's this storm analogy that storms in our life are going to come. And just like... You know, Dover's listening to this, you know, this like daily testament thing that you just, it's basically like a sermon that you pop into your cassette mm-hmm. player and you listen to. You know, the, I think the it was man is brought into this world as sinful man. Man is brought to the world into trouble. We should expect storms, which is why, you know, the movie sets it up that Hugh Jackman's character Dover, he's the perfect man for this job. Mm-hmm. He's ready, he's always prepared, but the one thing he isn't prepared for is the thing that just makes him lose his mind. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I think that that is the theme throughout the movie, is we could be prepared for everything, and we can put our faith in a, a bunch of different things. Um, the, the, the wife puts her faith in Hugh Jackman, the son puts his faith in Hugh Jackman that he's always going to be prepared. He's going to keep them safe. But then mm-hmm. you start to realize, oh, this was the thing that drove him insane. Yeah. The one thing that he couldn't control. And a lot of us always want to be in control of our lives. We want, mm-hmm. want to be always in control of the situation. Um, we feel like not being in control is the one thing that we can't handle. Mm-hmm. You know? I think this explains... Dover pretty well because he if you look in that one shot in his basement there's just shelves like it's like a library almost with emergency supplies and food and stuff gas mask Um, which is just the cruel thing about it all how can we prepare ourselves emotionally for that we could do everything we can keep our daughters safe tell them oh you can't go outside unless it's with your brother it's like um, kids are going to be kids at some point you know it, it yeah. It, 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 how can anyone prepare for that reality is, the, is, is what I'm thinking. And so it's not a matter of he should have been prepared for this. It's more of yeah. you pride yourself on being prepared. The one, the one time you're unprepared for something, it might, you, know, you might lose your pride in every area of your life, which definitely happens. Yeah. Also, so. how you deal with what happens. You, you can't always control it, but it's you, can, you can't control what happens, but you can control how you react. Yeah, so not necessarily, because the rain's going to come. I mean, the storm is going to come. I think it just, mm-hmm. if you think about the stilled the water, calm the sea. You know, Jesus was the one when the disciples were freaking out. Hey, Jesus, why, don't you care if we die? It's like, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is the... You know, once Dover has that one thing that he's not prepared for, he loses faith in everything. Loses mm-hmm. faith in the police, in the justice system, loses faith in the detective, 
loses faith in just his life in general. And, um, and, and back to that father-son aspect, you know, the things that he learned from his father was to be prepared. But we learn throughout the movie that the grandfather, which, who, we, who we never meet, um, committed suicide. Really? Yeah, that was in one of the articles um, that Detective Loki was looking up when he was looking up facts about the building. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so his grandfather killed himself, or Hugh Jackman's father killed himself. And if he taught him to be prepared for everything, that's already a, a father figure who he told me to be prepared for everything he wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'm telling my son to be prepared for everything I'm not. And you have that standoff between Dylan Minnette, Clay, and Clay and uh, Hugh Jackman, Dover. You have that standoff where he's like, you've yeah. been getting drunk. That's I a... smell it on your breath. He, you know, because, because the son's like, you told me to be prepared for everything, and you're clearly not. Mm -hmm. And so that what can happen when the person you look up to is corrupted or the person you looked up to isn't living up to your expectations anymore. Um, and it's just about who are we ultimately putting our faith in. Um, so, so yeah, these setups at the beginning are just, are very, very, very obviously well done. So, uh, what's, uh, what's another, what's another scene? The, the next thing that I, I did want to talk about is when, um, Dover decides to take things into his own hands and he, he's, he's, he's nearing his breaking point and he gets into his truck he starts the engine, and the first thing, the, the radio comes on, and it's a preacher, and the preacher is talking about patience and penitence, um, and yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm guilty of this too, but like, there's um, a point in our lives where our patience is tested, and some people, they can't handle it, you know, and they, they try to control the situation, and they become impatient and frustrated. Um, that's what happens in this movie. He, uh, he gets frustrated with the detective's lack of information and like the, um, the way that the investigation is progressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he knows God calls us to be patient and trust in him, trust in his plan. Um, a lot of people um, are impatient. Yeah. And that's what happens in the scene. Also, the preacher is talking about penitence, which is another word for repentance. That is a little bit foreshadowing as, as well, because later in the movie, um, actually, no, this ties into what I was going to talk about next. Later in the movie, he he tortures this guy, um, and he has okay, he has a picture of his two daughters on the wall, um, just to remind him why he's doing this in case he starts feeling sorry for this guy, um, and at one point. He is in the room with a guy, and he he quite literally um, has a breakdown, and he is on his knees, and he is reciting the Lord's prayer again. Then um, this time in like a shaky in a shaky voice, um, and he is he's more unsure. He's not as confident in in reciting it, and he gets to the part where he he reaches the line about um, trespasses and he says um, forgive us our trespasses 
And he chokes. And he can't say the next line, which is, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. And he can't say it. Um, and it's, yeah, because so, cause he knows that what he's doing is wrong and he's feeling repentance. He's, he's repenting for what he's, he's, what he's yeah. done. And I, I, I forget, I think that is the end of the torture. Like he doesn't go back. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't think he goes back to... He does. Or does he? Okay. Yeah, he does, because he's, he's just drinking, and he's turning it on. He, like, drinking okay, and turning yeah, it off. That's, right. and that's, when the, that's when the guy finally talks about the maze. That's when he finally talks, you know, right, kind of gives him right. a clue that sparks everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, the scene where he's in the car listening to the Daily Testament and is talking about we need to be ready for trouble. We need to we need to be patient and penitent. Um, the penitent man kneels before God, as uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade has taught mm-hmm. us. Yeah. But that's what I always think of when the word penitent is Sean Connery going the penitent. <laughs> Yeah. I'm always like, I, I, I always think of that. I never, never think of penitent in the right way. But, um, and it's, and, and it's interesting because in the script, um, which I don't know if the movie does it this way or not, it's kind of hard because it's a hard cut. In the script, it says Dover turns it off, turns off the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of just a rejection, you know, of I'm, I'm going to rely on myself now. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. God, you've clearly, you know, left me. You've decided not to help me anymore. I'm going to take it in for myself, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's that pause as he's turning he, on yeah, the Yeah, he pauses. He definitely he pauses. pauses. and he listens. And you can see he almost defeats himself. But he's like, no, 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 no. I need to go. I need mm-hmm. to go do this. And, um, and, the, and then he convinces others, you know. Um, and, and even though, even though Hugh Jackman is right. Like, it was Alex Jones who stole him, even though it, it is, you know, he is the Techn- problem. Technically, technically, yeah. You know, he did give them a ride, all that stuff. Even though he is correct, once you latch on to something, everything you hear supports your argument. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, especially when they were releasing him. Yes. This is, I think, fuels his whole desire to follow through with this. Um, he's, he's, he confronts him in the parking lot as he's being released from custody and he grabs him and the supposed kidnapper says, um, they didn't cry until I left them, which sets off all kinds of alarms in his head. And I I think that was a very important part in the movie, but like not as important as to what we're talking about, but just still in regards to the movie, that was like, that fuels the whole movie. And I think... That is the thing that he uses to validate. And I think mm-hmm. when we latch onto an idea of it has to be this way, it has to be this way, it's him, it's him. No one else can convince me. You see what he said? You heard what he said to me? You know, they were sing- he was singing the song, the Jingle Bell song. And so, because, you know, when he says the, here's the picture of our daughters, you know, in case we forget. And, rem- and, and it's like, well, no, it's in case you remember that the person you're torturing is also a human as well. You have to, to get to that point, you have to dehumanize others. And he does realize that's a person, but to get what he wants, he has to de- dehumanize that person mm-hmm. because he can't live with the fact that, you know, his daughter is kidnapped or, or his daughter may not come back, which once again, I mean, 
I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to talk a big game here that if my daughter was kidnapped, I would be, you know, sitting on the couch being like, God, it's all your will, you know, like <laughs> thumbs up and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I might freak out like Hugh Jackman would, or I might freak out like Terrence Howard um, or Viola Davis or whoever. I might, you know, I might be just sick and lying in bed like um, uh, Maria Bello, I think is, is her name. And it's just... Um, I might be like that. I might be like Clay, just like wondering, like, is my father actually doing anything? Um, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's interesting because it's like the son is like, the son and the, and the dad are like two different, two totally different people that are Christians. Mm -hmm. Like the, the son is someone who is relying on, he's putting his faith in God. Sure. Right? Or the, the dad. Um, and, you know, he had that one outburst where he, he got frustrated. But for the most part, you know, he's pretty level-headed about it. He's scared, obviously, but he's still letting God take the wheel on this one. You know? Yeah. Um, but Hugh Jackman is like the other end of the spectrum. So, yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about um, that line that the ant says towards the end of the movie? Yeah. Why don't you... Because you wrote it down, I think, so... Yeah. You want to read it. So Hugh Jackman goes over to this lady's house who turns out to be the kidnapper. Mm -hmm. um, and he's held at gunpoint by this, by this woman. And um, one thing I think of, it's, it's, it's so weird, but um, one thing I think of in the scene where the bad guy has the protagonist in a situation where they think they've won and they just tell them their whole evil plan, right? Monologuing. Yeah. yeah, like in Incredibles. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what she says is chilling. But she says, "Making children disappear is the war we wage with God." Mm -hmm. um, she she follows that up by saying, "It makes people lose their faith," um, which is um, interesting. I I I didn't really ever have a concept of this but I didn't um, now I kind of uh, understand it how there's some people who just live their lives you know they live their life how they want to live it um, and it's not necessarily hurting people they're not going out of their way to hurt people you know but then there you have the, this this lady who is ta taking a proactive step to disrupt the lives of people. Not only, okay, because she has lost her faith. It's, it's very apparent. But she is taking it a step further by disrupting the lives of the families that are affected by these, these children disappearing and making them lose their faith. And just not, only, not just the families, but the people that know these, these children, mm. um, which is, it's, it's crazy to think about. But I guess there's... There's, there's people like that in the world. Yeah, I, I, and, and I think it's, it's, it's someone, because some people lose their faith and just depart from all reasoning. Not going not gonna to follow God anymore. I don't believe in him. I, you know, other people can, but I just know based on my experience, I don't really want to believe in God anymore. That, you know, that, and, and, and their actions support that. This, this woman is, belie it, it, she's waging war against God. It's like mm -hmm. almost like she still believes in God, but has decided that God's way is awful. 
So I'm going to wage war against this God because the way that he has set things up is awful. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's pointless. Um, and every, and it should be pointless for everyone else, and I'm going to make them see that believing in God is pointless. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's like kind of the next level, the next step of, uh, for me, uh, of understanding, okay, where, where, you know, what are the kind of just the dark places that you could go when, when you start to understand or when you start to think, okay, well, well does this have a point anymore? Does, does life have any more point? Um, and so, you know, I think, I think this, this lady is obviously almost like a caricature of evil, but it's, it, it is believable to a point because you know that, th- th- I know that there's that mindset out there, um, is that someone will get to the point where it's like, if there is a God, this is a cruel way that mm-hmm. he set this thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, that 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 line is is chilling, and it you know, and it's you know obviously it's referenced earlier on in the movie when the priest talks to her husband. He's like, "It was the war they waged against God," you know, it, mm-hmm. and that just that line, "the war you wage against God," um, and and I think for me the the scripture that kind of just encapsulates the whole movie here is in um, is in James chapter one. I actually shared this with someone the other day. Um, and, uh, it's, um, and in James, it's James chapter one and it's verse 13 when it says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And I think for me, that kind of just encapsulates the whole movie because it's it's not saying, if, if you're like, okay, something bad has happened to me, God, what, what are you doing? Why are you tempting me in this way? Why have you destroyed my life? You know, that's not the, that, the Bible is explaining that that's not the right mindset. Um, it, it, it's more of the, okay, when, when, when bad things happen, when storms are, are, are raging in my life, do I go to God for a place of comfort or do I start to accuse God? And that should give us a, you know, a, a, a indicator of how strong our convictions are. Because it says that each person is dragged, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. In some instances, been in some instances, Dover's character, or the character of Dover is. He is his his evil desires is, is not necessarily is, is is pride. I can control everything. I am prepared for everything, and so when that is shook, it starts to it, that that desire is conceived. It starts to give birth to sin, which causes the alcoholism, which causes the violence and the anger and the rage. Um, and so I think that for me is just what encapsulates that because it's clear that the aunt. Um, is, you know, no, God is doing this to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it can't be evil. It's just, it's God. God is doing this to me. And she's very much past that and very conclusive and doing her own thing. Um, and so I, um, I think for me that, 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 that would be if, if I was to 
think of this movie and think of, okay, how would I use this movie as a potential sermon? You know, using James 1 and, and this, this idea of where are we putting our faith in? And when bad things happen, do we accuse God or do we try and seek out help from God? That's where I would, mm-hmm. that's where I would kind of land. And it's, uh, it's interesting that you bring up sermons. I know this, I feel like there's several points in this movie where you could make, you could make a sermon out of it. Um, but there's one scene in particular that I feel I could deliver a sermon on. Ooh. And I have never delivered a sermon. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I feel like I could do a pretty good job with the ending scene, like the very last scene of the movie. Um, and okay, let me set this up. The, the ending scene is the forensics team is excavating the property around the aunt's house. And they're looking for evidence or bodies or anything. And the detective is also there. Um, the, it's, it, it's the end of the night and the forensics team leaves, right? And the detective is walking around, um, not really looking for anything in particular. Um, and he walks over to the car um, where the main character, Dover, he is in a hole under the car, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he is, he's bleeding out. We don't know, we don't know what is going to happen. But he has, he found an emergency whistle. He found his daughter's emergency whistle in that hole because his daughter was in there. And he finds it, and he is trying to call for help. And he, he can't really because he's, he's, he's been drugged. He's very weak. And shot in the leg. Yeah. Um, and his only, his real only hope for rescue is this whistle. And the detective is looking around, and he hears this whistle. And it almost sounds like the wind. It's very faint. And he looks around, and he just shakes it off. Yeah, he, it's very noticeable. He just shakes it off like, oh, that was just the wind or something. And um, he looks away, and then he hears it again. And he looks up. And the movie ends right there. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the movie. Um, and I think that this, I feel this whole scene with the car and the detective and the whistle is an analogy for sin or your life before God. Um, and that the detective is God. The main character, Dover, is a sinner. The car is the weight of sin. Uh-huh. Yeah, see where I'm going with this? Uh, and the whistleblowing is seeking God. You are in this hole, right? Quite quite literally. Um, and, okay, and this is where the analogy kind of falls apart because God is not like the detective in that he's not hearing you calling for help and saying, oh, no, that's, that's nothing. You know, he's not disregarding it. He's always there. Um, but you have to meet him halfway. Um, and he's, he's willing to push the car out of the way. He's willing to remove the weight of sin from your life. But you have to meet him halfway. You have to keep blowing the whistle so he can rescue you. And that's where, you know, like the analogy comes back together. No, I think, um, I, think I can work with this for a little bit. Because, you know, um, you know Sterling, Sterling's a guy that, that you know, he's, he's uh, coming into his faith. He's, 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 he's really, you know, he's really young in his faith. I'm not saying that I'm very old in my faith. But uh, been a disciple, been a Christian for a little bit longer, 
and uh, and I actually have a, have some good experience preaching. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I have tons of it, but I would I would have some I have some I have some experience preaching, and so you know I really appreciate this analogy because it is it, it harkens back to an earlier part in the movie when Jake Gyllenhaal is talking to Hugh Jackman, and he's like, "You need to go home because if we find your daughter, she's going to need her dad." Mm-hmm. when she comes back and there's this there's this there's this inkling of an idea a seed of an idea of just is there is there a darkness you can go to that you can't be redeemed from you know mm-hmm. did Hugh Jackman in pursuit of saving his daughter destroy himself in the process so that when the daughter does come back is he is she is he even her father anymore because he's been been stripped of just everything that he was. I, I told you to be prepared. I told I practiced being prepared. You guys all thought I was the most prepared, and I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, and now I'm relying on the thing that I gave my daughter to protect her. You know, I'm blowing on this whistle that I gave to her, to her that she lost that she was looking for, and, and it's just this all of this weight. The weight of of his transgressions is now just blocking him. Um, I believe that I don't think Detective Loki is the is the type of detective to just walk away from that after hearing. You know, yeah, I, yeah. You know, you can debate how the how how the movie ends after the movie's over, but that's not really kind of the point. But you know, the idea of be careful what you do in the pursuit of your desires because it might change you fundamentally it might change you forever and that's what you're kind of talking about Mm -hmm. that we might believe that we're a follower of god we might believe that we're a true believer and we go out and do all these things in the name of god and then once that weight of realization is on us that like oh my gosh i've been doing this all wrong and now we're messed up we can't pray you know Mm -hmm. we we're, we're calling out for help and no one's listening um and i don't know i god is God is definitely not the person to just completely turn away from us. And, but I would think that there's now some work that has to be done. Yeah, you have to keep blowing that whistle. And yes. in the movie, he wants to be rescued. He desperately wants to be rescued. And I don't think, that's just me. I wouldn't stop blowing the whistle, you know? I would blow it as long as I could. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a point where... Maybe he's like getting like so weak that he can't, you know. So Maybe. cold. Yeah, or he's losing a lot of blood or what, whatever it is. He's getting to the point where he can't call, ask God for help, or he or he won't, or whatever you want to say. But um, that's like that's like you know that's like our afflictions. That's like our what we have. That's almost like our our mindset. Like I like can't be rescued from this hole because of this or that um so yeah i think that's um that's a great point um, and so i i always have this question when i think about this movie you know kind of almost just diverting from this this the sermon mindset here for a second would did would do you think detective loki would have found the girls without hugh jackman's help so you asked me this earlier and i, I still don't have an answer yeah um, I, I think that it would have taken him longer. Yeah. I think it would have definitely taken him longer, but I think with Hugh Jackman's help, 
he definitely it expedited the process like he was like doing his own thing he didn't really think that the alex jones was the guy and he was interrogating other people um but then he had to keep an eye on hugh jackman and that's what led him like that that's what led him to solve the case um we'll see because because okay because he you know dover captures alex jones mm -hmm. and tortures him and because Hugh Jackman continues, Dover continues to go back to that apartment where he's torturing the kid. It, Jake Gyllenhaal figures out, okay, there's something in there. He's not just drinking in there. There's, he's not just passed out drunk on the no, floor. That's, that's, that's not what it no, is. No, there's something in there. And so when Hugh Jackman runs off, you know, he's like, I know where he's going. You know, I know where you're going. And he goes to that apartment. He's like, oh, he's not there. But he does end up finding Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. And so, because he, because Jake Gyllenhaal was always on the guy that he saw at the vigil, the candlelight, the candlelight the, uh, vigil. And, and he that, wasn't related at all. He was related. He was related. Because because uh, the aunt was like, I forgot all about Bobby, you know, that guy, the, the guy messing with the mannequins. He was one of the people that she kidnapped. But she forgot all about him. And he was out there living his life really messed up. And so, because Alex Jones was the son of that girl that Jake Gyllenhaal, the lady that Jake Gyllenhaal went, that she kept watching the tape over and over and over. That Alex was Alex Jones, Jones? Was, was, was her daughter. No. Was oh, wait, his, yes, because the, the aunt captured or kidnapped Alex Jones. Yep. Wow. And so, anyway, and so for me, I'm like, okay, Alex Jones was always the key, but Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, they, they, they got Alex Jones back. And basically, the reason Jake Gyllenhaal went to the aunt's house was not because she's now a prime suspect. It was because he needed to go to her house to tell him to tell her that Alex Jones yeah, was down. Yeah, that's 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 important because, um, like I think the the chief or whatever said, go to this lady's house and make sure she knows, right? Yeah. So at that point, he didn't know. Yeah. Um, but then he he went in. He found her laying there, which. Okay, she got what she deserved, but it wasn't, like, nobody got the whole, not everybody got the full story. You know? Yes. And Jake Gyllenhaal didn't know that Dover was, I don't, he didn't know that he was involved, right? Because he wasn't at the apartment um, when he got there and freed Alex Jones. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know what Alex Jones told no, him. Because, uh, you know. Cause he knew because when he when he was talking to the daughter um after she had gotten to the hospital mm -hmm. and the mom came in it's like mm -hmm. we still don't know where he is and it's like is and she's like is he gonna get arrested when he comes back and jake and i was like probably but who so he dover yeah dover okay and so um so he was gonna get in trouble but it's more of um for me it's it's like if jake if uh if sorry if hugh jackman um if hugh jackman was not in the picture i don't if he had just decided never to help at all he probably they probably would have never found the girls mm -hmm. um but hugh jackman being in the way like he was obviously didn't help but it ended up they ended up getting the girls back mm -hmm. if if hugh jackman had been more level-headed and more prepared you know and ready for everything he could have helped out Jake Gyllenhaal more, and they could have done it together. Mm. And so that's what I think. That's where I'm thinking. It's just that's why I asked this question. Is because it's like, if Hugh Jackman had been the man that he was claiming to be to everyone, 
he would have been right alongside Jake Gyllenhaal helping him out mm-hmm. and not being crazy like he was. Because he only made Jake Gyllenhaal more suspicious of him. He, you know, from the very jump, Jake Gyllenhaal was annoyed with him. Like, gosh, this guy. He's like, you keep him in custody. Yeah, when he you was... keep him in custody. And he, no, like, as he was running up to the car, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> he's like... And then, and then when he leaves the, the, the police chief's uh, office, Jake Gyllenhaal turns and is like, what did I what say? What did I say? What one I more say? day. Come on. Come on, one more day. <laughs> like, really? Like, I told you, right? <laughs> this guy's This is nuts. what I have to deal with. And what so, yeah, so I'm just, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things. Again, once you get wrapped up into that idea that I'm alone, no one's going to help me, I'm going to do what I need to do to do this, you put yourself in a dangerous position to do something extremely prideful and extremely harmful. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, if Jake Gyllenhaal was five minutes late, that girl would have been, she would have been dead. Oh, first. yeah. And so he needed Jake Gyllenhaal, but he constantly tried to reject Gyllenhaal's help the whole time. But, you know, so that, that, that's sort of a question that I always have. But, uh, you know, I think the thing, just in a movie sense, um, just the man, just the, the way that he directs this movie, Denis Villeneuve, of just making it all come together in a way. Every time you watch it, you're like, what's the next thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. I forgot about that. Oh, he's tying it together. Oh, this is so good. I, you know, and that's what I really love going back to this movie time and time again. It's heavy. I have to be in the right mood for it. Yeah. But I love going back to this time and time again to just pick up on all those little micro expressions mm-hmm. that these actors yeah, are doing. Um, like how nothing in the house is cleaned up. Like the kitchen is, is no one puts the pie away or no one cleans the dishes. Because it's like... Yeah, it's you, almost like they forget about everything. Yeah. And because this, yeah. what happens is just so out of the blue and so, so terrible that they can't really... Okay, let's clean the dishes, but then let's after that we'll look for you know. And yeah, that scene at the end when he's driving through the rainstorm, mm. and the way the camera is just making you feel like you can't see, yeah. and you're just like, wait, stop! <laughs> he's gonna yeah, crash. no, I I got I got nervous. I was like, oh no no no! Even though I have seen the movie before, yeah. I like, was just oh that car was getting kind of close. And you then know? he turns left, and you're just like right into the hospital. You're like. Nah. Into like in front of traffic. Oh, oh man, that's crazy. Just... But yeah, what what I mean, yeah, what what for you? What do you enjoy the most about the movie? Uh, what I enjoy the most? Okay, yeah, I have this question for everybody. Like, I will go to. I used to uh-huh. go to movie theaters, um, and I yeah. <laughs> I, 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 pandemic here. Just um, you know, I would I'd go with people, or I'd watch a movie with someone. And my question, no, my dad started this. Um, I I would ask them, okay, what was your favorite part? About the movie, and sometimes I don't have an answer. Mm. And sometimes I have a very clear answer, like, "Oh, this scene, this guy was funny," or "This was this really got me." Um, but for this movie, um, I I I don't know. I really don't. It's like the full experience of it. Then. It's like yeah, it's like the full experience. Like if I could say, "Oh, everything," you know. Yeah. Um, the hammer scene, I think really captures the seriousness like if that wasn't in there i feel like i would feel a different way about this movie yeah but that scene uh in particular first really, time they start torturing him yeah with the sink and like okay and then for those of you who haven't seen the movie this sink is like a gas station sink it's not a countertop sink you know it's it's 
and motel scene. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's very um very Por porcelain and breakable. Yes, fragile. It's just he and and he destroys it. I don't know if he had has been hitting the gym or what, but he completely breaks off chunks of the sink yeah. in that scene. The I, full Wolverine mode. Yeah. Which <laughs> this I could tell oh man, this 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 podcast is gonna be four hours long, but um like the scene in X-Men Origins Wolverine where he's in that farmhouse, and this is right after he got his adamantium claws. There's a, a sink scene in that movie. You couldn't have picked a more opposite movie of all time <laughs> of prisoners and X-Men Origins Wolverine. But yeah, he like <laughs> the the way that like I don't know, it's just I I draw these weird connections, but seriously. He shoots his claws out and it like cuts into some pipeline and then he like chops off a, 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 a chunk of his sink and I don't know, it's just with Hugh Jackman and sinks, it's just he's yeah. No, he's so good. Just every time he yells, tell me where they are, which he yells what? like 50 times in this movie, you just feel every, you know, and, and just the desperation that they seem, you know, Terrence Howard's slinking down the wall with, yeah. with Alex Jones. Like he's supposed to be holding him up. And what, what just happened? You know, he's, he's like in shock. Yeah, because he's like, wow, I've never seen, never seen this side of this man. Um, and I don't know if what we're doing is right. Um, yeah, no, that scene, that scene is the scene that when you first watch it, you're slowly like about to cover your eyes because you're like, is he going to, is he going to hit him with the, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. You're, 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 you know, and like, I watched this with my brother. He, he watched it for the first time and I basically watched him watch it. Yeah. Anything else? My, yeah. My brother was like, as he pulled out the hammer, my brother was just like, <laughs> no. Like, no. And, and, and he, because that's, I mean, that's the way that I, if I, if I made an audible noise when I was watching this for the first time, that's when I was just like, oh, oh. no, like, please, how are they, oh, and so it is, yeah, it is a, uh, a, a ride to go on, oh. and there's not, there's not a lot of humor, and there's, and it's very, very serious, if but there, man, were, if it, there is humor in this movie, I, it's at I the beginning. That. Oh, it's it's the one joke. It's the one joke where uh, Terrence Howard, when they ask him to play Bruce yeah. Springsteen, and he's like, "Well, I'm not white, so." <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the that scene is the most lighthearted part of the movie. Yeah, and, it, and you have to you have to if, if you're if, if you're gonna have a movie this serious, you have to have that first scene be lighthearted. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, and so I think this is. I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. If you love movies, go out and watch it. If you haven't, we've we've just spoiled the heck out of it. Yeah, if you have, but, I feel like this is more of a discussion for people who have seen the movie. But, like, again, if you want to see the movie and you haven't, I definitely would recommend it. Dude, totally we recommend it. Ha we didn't, I don't think we, we mentioned this, but it's not for everybody. Not for everyone, no. Lots of swearing, very disturbing images. We've talked about elements of torture. Um, it's definitely not for everyone. It's one of my just top movies in general. I'd give it a, you know, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. I don't know if there's anything wrong with it. Mm. Um, it's just perfect to me. And so, um, so, yeah, this is obviously a rough draft for us, but uh, we appreciate anybody who listens. And, uh, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's our podcast.
the end, I guess. The end. <laughs>